Yarra Libraries acknowledges the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung as the traditional owners and true sovereigns of the land now known as Yarra. We also acknowledge the significant contributions made by other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to life in Yarra and pay our respects to all elders, past, present and future. This special Mental Health Week episode of the Yarra Libraries podcast is brought to you by Yarra Libraries and the Ewing Trust. Fitzroy Library is fortunate to have the continued support of the Ewing Trust, a fund that fosters literacy, libraries and a lifelong love of learning in the historic Melbourne suburb of Fitzroy. Through the support of the Ewing Trust, Fitzroy is able to run special events and programs, including the Fitzroy Writers' Festival, for the benefit of Fitzroy residents and visitors to the area. The podcast is presented in recognition of Mental Health Week 2020. Mental Health Week aims to engage communities in activities that promote mental health and well-being and also increase understanding and reduce stigma about mental illness and how it impacts on the lives of the people in our community. This podcast is all about volunteering, which has proven to have positive mental health benefits as well as benefiting the community. It's a great way to meet new people, share experiences and learn new skills. Here's Ali Murrell from the Community Development Team at Yarra City Council to tell us more. Hello, and welcome to the podcast on why volunteering is good for you. I'm Ellie Murrell from the Community Development Team at Yarra City Council. Today, I'll be chatting to some people involved in the volunteering sector, including a representative from our Peak Body Volunteering, Victoria, someone who manages over a thousand volunteers in a not-for-profit organisation, and of course, from a volunteer who absolutely loves what he does. We'll highlight the different ways you can volunteer, where to look for opportunities, and how one of the many benefits of volunteering is that it's proven to be really good for your mental health. To get the ball rolling, I'd like to bring on Sarah Sterling from Volunteering Victoria. Sarah is the Sector Development Manager at Volunteering Victoria and definitely knows a thing or two about the volunteer sector. Hi, Sarah. Hi Ellie, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk about all things volunteering. As you know, I'm very passionate about it. That's great. Well, can you give us a bit of an overview of volunteering, the who, what, where, why? Of course, Ellie. So as the state peak body for volunteering, we fly the flag at the state level for all things volunteering and make sure that we have really active and resilient communities uh, that come about through people volunteering and giving their time. So one of the first things to note is there's actually a definition for what is considered volunteering in Australia. And we officially define volunteering as time willingly given for the common good without financial gain. It's pretty succinct, but it covers quite a lot of things. And one of the first things that you may notice about that is it doesn't specify where that time needs to be given. So it doesn't actually have to occur through a formal organisation. There is what we call informal volunteering that I'll talk a little bit about as well, but also that it's got to be for the common good. So when my mother says she's volunteering to babysit my nephew, unfortunately that doesn't count. (laughs) And finally that it's without financial gain, but there are plenty of other benefits that you can get from volunteering and obviously the mental health benefits are the type of uh, strong benefits that we're going to be talking about today. I have a (laughs) neighbour 
<laughs> and she's 92 years old. She's great gun. She lives uh, by herself. And I do a lot of running around to the shops for her. You know, we drive her to appointments. And it's those things that make our community stronger. There's lots of different reasons people end up volunteering. And, you know, lots of people volunteer for a variety of reasons. So they might volunteer to learn some skills. Um, they might volunteer to make some new friends. I've certainly applied for volunteer work whenever I've moved cities. And they might apply for a volunteer role for an organisation that they're really, really passionate about. So people often stumble into a volunteer role by accident when they get involved in a group of something they love. So, for example, I've recently adopted a greyhound and there's lots of people who've gotten involved in that greyhound rescue because they love their dogs. I had a really social volunteer. I used to manage volunteers in a large welfare organisation and she really values aligned to the organisation and really social. She made a lot of friends. But actually the reason she started volunteering was to learn how to use a computer. So it's not just about stuffing envelopes and the other traditional ways of volunteering then, is it? You've already mentioned there's different ways in formal, informal volunteering, but can you give us some other examples and ideas of ways that people can volunteer? Absolutely. So I've talked about that distinction between formal and informal volunteering, but there's also lots of ways that you can volunteer virtually. And similarly, there's lots of volunteering that happens spontaneously after emergencies. And, you know, another way in which people volunteer, which is often overlooked, is the idea of volunteering for a specific event. So people often consider volunteer positions to be like a long ongoing commitment but we actually have lots and lots of events in, in Melbourne across Victoria that rely on volunteers to assist them to get up and running and people may not necessarily always think of that as formal volunteering because they're just enjoying being part of the event. So a few examples of some maybe non-traditional volunteer roles which will hopefully paint a little bit of a picture is to just how broad volunteering is. Sometimes like the Good Karma Network, so moderating a Facebook page or a Facebook community, often a lot of that is done by volunteers and some of that role to be an admin and coordinate uh, the management of a Facebook online community can be a huge volunteer role in terms of time and investment. Some other really great volunteer opportunities which, you know, may not be in operation at the moment are things like you know, the St Kilda um, Wildlife Pier Park has a great penguin watch program where you can assist uh, when tourists come down to see the penguins at dusk. You can actually be a part of keeping their habitats intact and making sure that tourists don't get too close to the penguins. And as a bonus, you get to look at the penguins on a weekly basis. You know, similarly, some of our great tourist attractions, the zoo, the state library, they all have really wonderful functioning volunteer programs. And Again, some of our really amazing festivals, the things that make Melbourne a really magical city, like the music festival, fashion festival, writers festival and film festivals, they all have volunteers who support the operation of those festivals. And often it's a really great way to get involved and maybe, you know, some volunteer festivals will offer free or discounted tickets. Um, so it's a really great way to engage in activities that you love. It's great that there's all these options and I love that you can volunteer for a cause that you're passionate about on a laptop from your bedroom or even just doing random acts of kindness like helping your neighbours 
by bringing in their rubbish bins. And I guess if you can't commit to a long term, there are many short term one off options like organising a fundraiser, for example, the biggest morning tea to help raise money for cancer. Absolutely. And I think it's important to, you know, for anyone listening who's sort of a little bit concerned about what volunteering is going to involve on a long term basis, start small. Start uh, volunteering for a festival. Uh, sign up for a one day shift at the Melbourne show. I mean, there are lots of things that you can do that are one day, once off opportunities, event opportunities that are quite small. And you can see whether you like the community, like the organisation, and hopefully it's a really, really good way for you to think about how volunteering fits into your lifestyle. That's great. Flexibility is the key. Sarah, of course, Volunteering Victoria website is a great resource to get more information about all aspects of volunteering and managing volunteers. What are some of the ways people new to volunteering or returning after a break can find volunteering opportunities? So one of the big ways now, of course, everything happens online. So go volunteer, www.govolunteer.com.au and seek volunteer. They have some pretty amazing portals where volunteer roles from all across the sector. So organisations from emergency service organisations to welfare organisations to sport organisations to, you know, really, really small community organisations will advertise positions that are available. And that's actually a really good place to start if people aren't sure what is out there. And in general, it's a good place to consider looking at an advertised volunteer role because that way you know that the organisation has really thought about what you'd be doing in the position. Hopefully there would be a position description attached to that. And so you'd be able to get a really clear idea upfront of what the volunteer role involves. But as well, I'd really encourage anyone who's considering jumping into volunteering is sit down and have a bit of a personal reflection time and considering what your interests are, what you're passionate about, can often lead you in the direction of a particular type of role or a particular type of organisation. And if you're sitting there thinking, I don't know what I am passionate about, you know, I sit on the internet most of my days and I scroll through cute pictures of puppies. Well, let me tell you that animal rescues all over the joint would be so thrilled to get people who want to go out and take photos of their puppies to make sure that their rescues are portrayed in a beautiful life and get picked up by, you know, a willing family. If you're, you know, interested in environmental causes but you're concerned about an ongoing time commitment, there are, you know, any number of environmental groups across the state where you can go out and do tree planting days, regeneration work. So thinking about the amount of time you have and what you're interested in is a great place to start. You know, if you're really, really passionate about sport and fitness, think about, you know, volunteering at a marathon or a sporting event. Ask your friends, ask your family what they're doing and and whether they've heard of any volunteer opportunities that they think you might be interested in because, it really helps with expectations. You've got to do your homework on an organisation too, particularly in a kind of time-poor environment. You don't want to be giving your time to an organisation or a cause that you're not passionate about and comfortable about. So when you're researching organisations, you're basically checking them out as much as they're checking you out. For example, there are, you know, lots and lots of 
big organisations that work with refugees and migrants, people coming into the country. But if there's a waiting list at some of those organisations, could you apply to volunteer at your local neighbourhood house with the opportunity to support the same population but in an organisation that's less well-resourced and can really need your help? That's great information. We'll include links to the resources you mentioned and a few other options to check out online in the show notes of this podcast. Dylan Oosterwegel is a volunteer mentor for the L2P Learner Driver Mentor Program, and he says he loves what he does. Dylan, tell us more about your volunteer role. Uh, so with the L2P program, uh, the whole idea of it is it's like young people, for whatever reason, don't have access to a parent or guardian that might be able to help them achieve their mandatory 120 hours driving practice. So they come into the program and we volunteer as mentors to try and bridge that gap, essentially. It'd be a bit too expensive to be paying a uh, professional driving instructor to complete all those hours. How often do you volunteer in this role? This year, we haven't been doing too much because of uh, the pandemic, which has been very disappointing for me. But last year, I would do it usually once a week and would aim somewhere between two to three hours. The program would generally ask just one hour a week that you commit. But I remember when I was young and trying to get my license, how eager I was. And I think being able to knock out a few hours in a single session gave the best bang for buck. And then also I wouldn't feel personally guilty or something if like we had to reschedule a week or something because of clashes. So obviously you're in the car supervising the learner driver, but I'm sure you're probably giving way more than that. Like, you know, just mentoring and listening to the young person. What other tasks are involved in this role? Totally. So that's like one of the big appeals is it is just like a a driving program, but really it's a vehicle for mentoring young people. I remember like when I was going through high school, I think it's pretty rare that anyone kind of makes it through that period of their life completely unscathed. And so there's a lot of new experiences that these young people are going through as they kind of are leaving high school and even going into university with a lot of big stresses and there are VCE exams. So talking to people about their own home environment who often come from a pretty different culture is a really, really enjoyable experience. But there's all these life experiences that we have the same that I really enjoy talking about. Some of the aspects I think which make it really easy to communicate is that like because you may be from like a different background or like completely unconnected to your mentor, it's kind of a liberating experience for them to be be able to talk really freely with someone out of their community. Yeah, so you kind of end up being a bit of a life coach to some extent. A great sense of informal support. Sounds great. What other other volunteer roles have you done, Dylan? My first volunteering role was with a organization called Tichinbut, which means sharing and learning together in Creole, like an Indigenous language, and that was in the Northern Territory. And I think I got into that at university and their program was really great because it also really spoke to a lot about what it means to volunteer within community and with different cultures and how to be a positive impact and not just going somewhere to kind of volunteer to make yourself feel good. And a big aspect of that was um, they talked about why people from Melbourne are volunteering in the Northern Territory and how it might actually be 
more beneficial for like communities to have people locally volunteering. And I think that idea also uh, really stuck with me, which is kind of why I started looking for programs uh, that are a bit closer to my community. So I guess the first one I was doing as well was uh, through my university at the time, Monash University, I did a program called Access Monash, which was mentoring high school students who may not have had a parent or adult or brother or sister, sorry, uh, who have made it to university. So kind of just exploring the final years of VCE and like going to a lot of university open days and explain to them kind of how university life works and that kind of thing, really introducing people. Sounds like it made a huge impact on young people's lives across many different volunteering roles. And of course, the program, the L2P program, depends on the commitment of volunteer mentors. So what do you get out of it? It sounds like you have incorporated it into your university studies. What other things have you got out of volunteering? It's like the most positive experience that I kind of have in my week, which is kind of funny because you're giving up your time or doing something. But I'm a relatively relaxed person, so the whole teaching how to drive thing, not an issue for me. For my mum, she might find it a bit more stressful. But for me, being able to kind of sit back in the passenger seat and just not have any other aspects of my life interrupting and just be really focused on this one task and this essentially this other person's life and going through these steps and achieving goals together is really rewarding. So I think for me, the personal gain is like one, the social relationships that you build with your mentees are so rewarding. And, you know, these people watching them grow is like a super cherishing experience and gratifying. But also just having the time to disengage from your regular life and uh, engage with this one program is really nice. Well, your passion and your love for volunteering definitely shows. And although you probably didn't sign up for the volunteering just for the good feels, it clearly is an added bonus. I also love seeing recipients of the program like the learner driver mentees. They return back to the volunteer program as mentors themselves and give back to a service that's given them so much. So that's always good to see. You also see that in sports clubs and when the volunteer coach was actually a past player on the team. Dylan mentioned some ways he benefited from volunteering, and this is also backed up by research. Here are some key reasons to volunteer according to the Black Dog Institute. Volunteering connects you to others, and with the social isolation being such a big issue right now, this is an important one. Volunteering is good for your mind and body, helping you counteract the effects of stress, anger, and anxiety. Volunteering can advance your career, boosting your confidence, and volunteering can bring fun and fulfillment to your life, giving you a sense of purpose. And all these things can have a profound effect on your overall physiological well-being. Dylan, how did you go about finding your volunteer role, the L2P role, and your other roles? It's kind of funny. They all just kind of stumbled into me. I guess with the Tichinbad in the Northern Territory, I kind of always felt like I wanted to engage further with like First Nations communities and learn a lot more. And while sitting at university procrastinating an essay, an email came through about this program. And so I shot off an application and went in for an interview. And similar kind of process with the Access Monash volunteering as well. 
there's some people uh, standing around at the university wearing these blue t-shirts and giving out information cards and I just thought it seemed like a really interesting program. So I applied for that and managed to succeed in becoming a mentor there. As far as L2P, when Yarra introduced their child safety training, I was working as a venues and events officer and went to do the training, that training. And there were some other people on our table that we were talking to. And I was like, oh, what do you do? And this person's like, well, I'm actually just a volunteer. I don't work at Yarra. And so I found out about the program, which I had no idea it existed and um, just kind of seemed like that was the perfect match for me to be able to do something close and meaningful in my neighborhood, interact with like young people and be a bit of a, a life mentor in some sense and also help people driving, which is an activity I've just kind of always enjoyed. The aspect of volunteering and like, making a positive con- contribution to somebody else's life or mm. their general week is the thing that makes like me happy and it really improves my mental health. Volunteering is a two-way relationship, not just a way for volunteers to make meaningful use of their time. It's also an opportunity for organisations to achieve their goals by involving volunteers in their activities. One organisation that relies heavily on volunteer involvement is Fairshare. Rosemary Kelly is the Volunteer Program Manager at Fairshare. Rosie, what is Fairshare and what is the volunteering situation there? Hi, Ellie. Fairshare is a charity that rescues surplus food to cook into thousands of nutritious meals for people doing it tough. We have Victoria's largest charity kitchen in Abbotsford, just off Victoria Street. Volunteers are the heart of Fairshare and have been so for almost 20 years. We've been generously supported by a large community which now number over 1,000 regular volunteers here in Melbourne. Most of them are in our Abbotsford kitchen on regular shifts, mornings, afternoons and evenings during the week and also Saturday mornings and they work together in crews of up to 25 alongside our qualified chefs who supervise them. We also have around 200 regular volunteers in our kitchen gardens. We have three kitchen gardens. One is at Abbotsford Victoria Park, one is at Moorabbin and the third is at Clayton South. Across those three gardens, our volunteers grow high-quality veggies bound for the kitchen. We've also got around 60 drivers and warehouse volunteers who pick up or rescue food ingredients that would otherwise be thrown away from supermarkets, markets and other food outlets. They also pick up donations of food, they deliver meals to local charities and they even take our food waste, our food scraps from the kitchen, to the Collingwood Children's Farm and the zoo. Finally, we have some admin, pro bono and skilled volunteers who support our work. For example, we've got about a dozen committed longer-term volunteers who go out and represent us in the community, like school speakers or rotary clubs or sporting clubs when there's a request for a speaker. Overwhelmingly, we've got over 1,500 volunteers on our waiting list who are keen to help us. We're very, very fortunate. That's just our regular volunteering program. We have two other volunteering programs to support us. We have a corporate volunteering program where work teams of up to 16 will come in and supervised by our chefs, they do food prep and cook meals in the kitchen. It's a really great way for them to get away from the workplace with their work colleagues, do something worthwhile and team build at the same time. 
We also offer corporate volunteering at the Abbotsford Kitchen Garden. Our third program, our Schools in the Kitchen program, is designed for secondary school students from Year 9 through to Year 12. We take the opportunity to talk to them about issues of food waste and food insecurity, and they spend a morning in our kitchen taking action on these issues and helping out in a very hands-on way in our kitchen. Working with volunteers creates an energetic and positive environment. It's fun, it's rewarding, and it's often very surprising. Of course, this year, things have changed for our volunteers. This was always going to be a challenging year. The latest data estimating that 5 million Australians, one in five a child, experienced food insecurity. Of course, we had the bushfires at the beginning of the year with their vivid images and shocking stories of whole communities struggling with the terrible impact. And then unbelievably, COVID-19 overtook our world and changed our lives as we knew them. At the end of March, we had to suspend our kitchen volunteering program for regulars, corporates and school groups. Despite this being necessary to ensure the safety of our kitchen and our staff and volunteers, it was a sad and difficult decision. Like many organisations, we've had to pivot and with the support of the Victorian Government at Woolworths, we've employed chefs and hospitality staff who'd lost their jobs due to the crisis. They have continued to power our Abbotsford Kitchen and harnessing their expertise, we've increased our meal production at a time when there has never been higher demand than there is now. Wow, so you've got a lot of volunteers and it's obviously a really popular volunteer program. So I'm intrigued, how many combined hours is that contribution, say, over a year? Look, it's a bit difficult to calculate, but a bit of a ballpark figure would say that probably around 60,000 hours of work a year is performed by our regular volunteer community. And then, of course, we have the work, the hours put in by our corporates and our schools on top of that. So it's thousands and thousands of hours. That's amazing. And what's the longest period has anyone continuously volunteered at Fair Share? Well, that's pretty amazing too, Ellie. We've got 18 volunteers who've been with us for over 15 years. And amazingly, four of those stalwarts have been with us since the very beginning in 2001. We've got another 37 who've clocked up 10 years or more and 180 with five years or more. So nearly one quarter of our regular volunteers have been with us for more than five years. Your volunteers are clearly very valuable to your organisation's output. How do vulnerable people in our community benefit from your service? You've mentioned a few things, but is there some direct stories where people have benefited? Sure. Well, as you can imagine, this year with the pandemic, there's been a dramatic impact on the number of people doing it tough. And we've been inundated with requests from charities and community groups in desperate need of nutritious meals. Our priority has been to keep our ovens turned on and our kitchens operating uh, while keeping our staff safe, but making sure that we are maintaining or increasing our meal supply to support those vulnerable people who depend on our meals. In the city of Yarra, our meals go out to several charities and agencies. Since the pandemic began, the two neighbourhood houses in Collingwood and Richmond near the public housing towers have been receiving our meals and they've been given out to people in the local community. Some of these people live in the towers, but not all. They're all locals and no one is turned away. According to the staff at those neighbourhood houses, COVID's been particularly hard on isolated older people. 
There's a mix of people picking up our meals. The community, as you would imagine, is very diverse. And Chinese, Vietnamese and African are the most prominent. They're all very appreciative of our meals, which include single-serve meals, family-sized meals, pastries like quiches and sausage rolls, and also sweet treats. So with the generous input from your volunteers, this cohort of our community and, of course, the environment has benefited greatly. That's such great stuff. Yes, uh, Ellie, each year we conduct a survey of our regular volunteers and we usually have around 40% who respond. This year's survey was conducted in April, uh, just after we had to suspend our kitchen volunteers due to the pandemic. We didn't know how that would impact on their responses, but overall, much to our delight, they were really positive. Almost half of them, 46%, said that the most important reason for volunteering for them is that they feel that they've been fortunate in their own lives and they want to help others less so, that real sense of altruism and giving back to the community. 70% of respondents said they volunteer or had volunteered elsewhere and of those, 96% rated fair share as good or very good by comparison to their other volunteering activities. For those who are able to continue to volunteer, like our gardeners, our drivers, our warehouse and our admin volunteers, who hadn't been suspended, we asked them how that impacted on their sense of well-being. 70% reported a positive impact. So clearly their regular commitment to volunteering was providing benefits to their own mental health. For those kitchen volunteers who had been recently suspended, 18% reported a negative impact and 73% no impact at that stage. But of course, this was only early on, just after they'd been suspended. We also asked them how likely they would be to return. 97% of our kitchen volunteers who'd been suspended said they would be likely or very likely to return. We're keeping in touch with all of our volunteers on a regular basis and we know how much they are missing their shifts and we know how much we're missing them. They're very keen to come back and we hope that that won't be too far away. Finally, when we asked if uh, our volunteers would recommend Fair Share as a place to volunteer, there was unanimous agreement. 100% said yes, they would recommend Fair Share as a place to volunteer. So I think we are very fortunate to have such loyal and committed volunteers within our community. Well, you've attracted me to Fair Share and I think I want to jump on that list, even if it is over <laughs> a 1,000 people. Thanks so much, Rosie. No worries. Thanks, Ellie. So volunteering is obviously good. It's good for the people who receive the service from volunteering programs. Volunteers are crucial to the success of many community projects, programs and events, and therefore it's good for the community as a whole. But of course, it's good for you to volunteer. And as we've heard, you can reap many benefits, more than what you signed up for and more than just enhancing your skills and job prospects. There's the social and health and wellbeing benefits too. So if you've been thinking of giving it a go, maybe now's the time to give your time. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. That was Ali Murrow from the Community Development Team at Yarra City Council talking with Sarah Sterling, Dylan Osterwagel and Rosemary Kelly about the benefits of volunteering. For more information about how you can get involved with volunteering, check out the volunteering page on the Yarra City Council website or contact Fairshare on www.fairshare.net.au. Thanks once again to the Ewing Trust for their support of literacy and learning in Fitzroy and for making this podcast possible.